turn around bright eyes every now and then i fall apart It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! So watch it! Drink it in! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I'm Lewis, here with my co-host Adam. <laughs> you almost slurred that. I'm just getting uh, through it. Uh, <laughs> and that was very, very drunk. Lewis has not been drinking. <laughs> no, but uh, I, it may be, we should do a drunk episode, maybe at Christmas, <laughs> just to see how yeah, That's a good idea. Yeah, 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 we should yeah. do that with our end of season special. I like it. Actually, we've got a good idea for that, but we we'll do. keep it in the can for the next couple of weeks. But welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is our series now looking at great final days of a season. We're oh, going yeah. through the English uh, top flight, the first division. Just very quickly, about our intro music mm. I know we're really getting into it now But we're a bit nerdy like that I've never noticed before I think you can hear the sound of the net When the Aguero shoots With the Aguero I think you hear the, the back, ball hit Yeah the, the ball hit the net And the back lift up slightly I like it It's so oh, crisp It is great so moment. good yeah, it's Great incredible. moment um, But talking about great moments Let's talk about Sir Bob Paisley As he should have been um, his final season. Is this going to be a Bob Paisley tribute? Uh, actually, no. It's it, I'm I'm it, obviously he will get a mention as he rightly deserves <laughs> as arguably the greatest manager of football history. Um, but we're not going to focus as much on Liverpool. Um, they obviously will get their dues uh, for winning the league. Um, but really, there's two other stories. So this is, I think, our first one where we're going to be focusing a lot on the bottom of the table rather than the top of the table. So there is a genuine final day of the season relegation oh, battle. Oh, really? Yeah, we haven't covered that. No, yeah. so that will keep it interesting. So um, for all of you fans that aren't uh, kind of Liverpool fans or Forest fans or Villa fans, we've got something for you now. Um, it involves Should have said Luton. Everton there, mate. You've really offended oh, me. Wait, Everton's time will come, mate. Don't worry. Um, but if there are any Luton fans here, uh, if there are any Man City fans here, it's going to interest you because those are the the two that are really in the thick of oh, it. Oh, really? So Man City, you mentioned last week about them slipping to something like 11th um, yeah, after yeah. being, being top first, early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, things didn't get better for them as they got themselves into a relegation dogfight. Mm. Um, but this is the final days of the 82-83 season. So let me give you an overview before we get into the season as a whole. Hit me. So Liverpool would retain the first division under Bob Paisley. Of course they did. Uh, his final season in charge. He announced at the start of the season that this would be his final year. Love it. Yeah, so just a swan song, just going out the way he would like they are the winners as expected the Giants uh, like we've spoken about all last week however it's Watford that would steal the headlines at the top of the table Oh, really? Yeah, Graham Taylor took charge of Watford in 1977, which obviously you touched on last week. We gave a little bit of an overview. They would get promoted four divisions in five years, oh, which wow. is obviously yeah. incomparable. And they would go on to finish second place in their first ever season of top flight football. So amazingly, under Graham Taylor, their first season in the first division, and they would finish second place uh, in 1983, which includes some notable wins against Sunderland. They beat them 8-0, beat Notts County 5-3. This is despite the fact that they got criticised for their style of play which we'll touch on a little bit this yeah. week um, 
Yeah, they they literally were newly promoted. This would have been second. like John Barnes, Luther Blissett. Correct, correct. Mm, yes, yeah. we'll talk about both of those players. Um, but you spoke about Barnes getting handed his debut year before at yeah. 17 or whatever. Yeah. The guts, I think, in a very physical league, in a, like to throw in a 17-year-old and go, right, go and do your thing. Yeah, I yeah. think Graham Taylor, I think obviously his reputation has been... Um, quite rightly kind of healed and repaired yeah. since his death and yeah. in the final years before he died. But obviously the turnip tailor thing stuck with him for so many years. Well, he got smashed by the England job, didn't he? Really? Yeah. It, it was a, a, just a bad time. Lost the best player, made some dodgy decisions. Yeah. But, but yeah, didn't deserve what he got. No, it was well over the top. But yeah. for anyone that's watched the Beckham documentary, it's a good time capsule of what the press was like in yeah. the nineties. Yeah. And this is what really, really annoys me about other people. They have no recognition of how much it hurts you. They think you don't care. And those people that know it hurts you, they put the knife into it so it hurts you even more. And I find that very difficult. I am not bitter. I'm just bloody disappointed in myself and as to what happened. I wanted so much to be successful. I wanted us to win the World Cup. Perhaps that was foolish to think about that. I didn't want us not to qualify for it, but we did, and I live with that. And I have to learn how to live with it, because that's how much it meant to me. But Watford were propelled to their dizzying heights by Luther Blissett's goal-scoring exploits, as you mentioned. Legend. He would lead the scoring charts with 27 goals in the league. He was league. top scorer. He was top scorer Shut in the up. league. 27 goals, 33 in all competitions, mind. So he's been on an absolute tear. Uh, it was his best haul ever in a Watford shirt. So again, his first ever taste of first division football and he's just blown everyone away yeah. which is incredible so as I mentioned there were no real fireworks at the top of the table Liverpool having wrapped up the title very early on so with six games to go Bob Paisley's Red simply put their feet up and then basically they lost five of their remaining six games did they really they conceded no a, 11 goals and nobody cared they would still finish 11 points uh, clear oh, I bet that pissed Paisley off mind you would imagine so, but also it's his final season. We were at one point, uh, I think, 18 points clear. We just blitzed everybody. It was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it obviously isn't necessarily good to lose five out of six. But uh, I think ultimately, Paisley didn't really care. Yeah. Or at least heading into retirement, so. exactly, exactly. Um, so the team were a machine. Their goal difference at the end of the season was plus 50. So to put that into context, second place Watford were plus 17. And Man United and Everton could only manage plus 18, and we uh, were on plus 50. It was astonishing how season, dominant yeah, this Liverpool yeah. squad was. And yet Luther Blissett was top scorer. Yeah, Luther Blissett. Ian Rush couldn't, uh, couldn't match him. Bloody, yeah. So the bottom of the table was where the drama was, though. So with three teams fighting for a final relegation spot, it was between Man City, Coventry and Luton. So with three games to go, Luton looked the likeliest to be relegated following a disastrous 5-1 loss at home to Everton, your boys, and a 3-0 loss away to Man United, um, which dropped the team into the bottom three with just one game remaining. Coventry had managed to rescue themselves on the penultimate game, having won away to Stoke 3-0, which was lucky considering they would lose 4-2 on the final day of the season. So in a relegation battle that the fixture computer could only have dreamed of at the start of the season, <laughs> it was Luton's final game of the season, would see them face fellow strugglers, Man City no. and Road. So this is incredible. So the stakes have never been higher. City only needed a draw to stay up whereas Luton Town needed to win the game. Both teams have been struggling for form, but this was a winner-takes-all match. So this truly is a final game of the season. It's been a while since we had one like that. Yeah, exactly. Where, two where play it each really other, matters. Yeah. Um, so absolutely amazing stuff. So in the end, the final relegation place would go to... 
Man City. Yeah, this is a complete thing. That's right, yeah. yeah. Their 17-year stay in the first division was ended in the final minutes of the final game of the season. In the 88th minute, Rani Ancic scores for Vistas Luton Town in a 1-0 victory and saves them from an immediate return to the second division. Ancic's goal was an interesting one if you go and watch it on video. Um, City's goalkeeper, Williams, uh, there's a, a high looping cross that isn't really dangerous. It's floating towards the penalty spot, um, coming down with snow on it, really. Williams charges out of his goal, leaps forward like Superman, punches the ball, but it only bounces to the edge of the area where Ancic is there. And he basically volleys it into, like the goalkeeper's flat on his face. There's no goalie. And two, it's in between, it's really good. It's in between two Man City defenders. One who tries to diving header it away no and someone else who tries to stick a leg on it and just goes in between them no into way. an empty goal. And Steen again. And he gets the cross in, and Williams has come, and Tish! Oh, it's there! They've done it! Ready and Tish! And has Luton's life, in the harsh world of the English First Division, been saved by a Yugoslav? Uh, and that is the, the goal that condemns Man City to relegation. <laughs> oh, man. So absolutely incredible drama. Luton yeah. Town had um, a little bit to a degree like Burnley at the moment where people are saying they're playing football the right way, they're just not getting the results. Is it a bit naive? Is it stupid? Because Luton, as we mentioned last week, really attacking, liked free-flowing football, tried to play football in parentheses the right way. Didn't they have an artificial pitch as well? I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, you've mentioned yeah, that yeah. before, yeah. yeah. So it, it's amazing really, but Luton managed to stay up and it was David Pleat. So as you said, it was immortalised by the action of David Pleat who danced his way across That's the right. road pitch yeah, 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 yeah. he does this kind of hop and the skip it's and like a, a little gallop yeah, 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 yeah it's, yeah, really, yeah, it's yeah. really endearing it yeah. is, it's lovely to see a lovely little detail that I noticed watching the jig because I think I'd seen it on like recap things yeah. over the years yeah. but never actually sat down to watch it as he jog jogs and runs and dances onto the pitch you can see him kind of he's obviously lost in the moment but he clearly at one point goes oh this is quite undignified so the only thing he does he just buttons up his jacket that been done, and then he just carries on jumping sorry I lost myself yeah it's about that. <laughs> <laughs> carries on there's something so like English gent about it where he's like oh I've pushed things too far does the button up and just carries on dancing and, and jigging his way across uh, bearing in mind he's doing it on the main road yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but incredible stuff so with that let's get into the season as a whole So Liverpool were favourites of the titles. They have been for most of the years previously. I'm not going to spend too much time back because we've spoken about Liverpool a lot. Paisley would obviously go on to retire as Liverpool manager at the end of the season, having spent 44 years at the club in various capacities, including being a physio. Wow. So again, this is where the boot room mythology yeah, comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, they did everything, didn't they? Exactly. Uh, Watford were riding the wave of optimism, but no one had expected them to achieve what they did. Under the ownership of Elton John and the management of Graham Taylor, Watford achieved four promotions in five years, an achievement unlike any other, much like <laughs> playing a sold-out gig at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Because uh, so, so out and John, you know, just releasing 40 number one albums, as you do. Headlining Glastonbury at the age of 70. Incredible stuff. He was 80, wasn't he? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's a decade between friends? <laughs> well, he could barely walk across the stage. So I'd hope he was 80 rather than 70. Yeah, he's, he's lived a rough life. He's put some miles on the clock, that lad. Um, but, nevertheless, uh, it is a lovely story, mainly because Elton John, obviously, is a local local lad. He genuinely, that is his yeah, hometown yeah, club, yeah. and it's nice to see an owner with that connection that, obviously, yeah. we don't really see Yeah, nowadays. definitely, yeah. Like a candle in the wind. Um, however, 
the big talking point about Watford, despite their incredible achievement, is people didn't really warm to Watford. Their style was hugely criticised for being kick and rush tactics, um, but there was no doubt in its effectiveness. And it's interesting nowadays, because I think growing up, I used to hear that Graham Taylor was just like long ball, just route one, kick it up the other end and hope you get something on. But it's not the, and it's a lazy comparison, but it's not the Sam Allardyce tactics or the Sean Dyche tactics where it's like, kick it up front to the big man whoa, and see whoa, what he can do. Whoa, whoa. Like, I'm just using that as a stereotype. Tenth in the league, mate. It, well, in a way, I suppose, <laughs> with an asterisk, with many, many asterisks, probably 10 of them. Only one, mate, not 115. Uh, exactly. Man City got relegated this year and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Have that. Um, no, I feel bad because the original Man City fans have got nothing against. It's yeah, true. Anyway, yeah. Uh, before we get too uh, distracted, uh, the point I was making is it's really interesting. Graham Taylor, um, once the dust had settled, would give a few interviews about obviously his tactics and the way he saw the game. Yeah, yeah. And his argument was he wanted to kick it not obviously down the throat of the opposition, but to hit it into the corners behind the opposition full. Oh, that's so interesting. You to said pin that. them back. Yeah. So. Sorry, just to yeah, interrupt yeah. because I was waiting for the point to say this. Do you remember? You might not remember because it was early nineties. But when England played under Taylor, from the kickoff, they did this really weird tactic, and it was akin to rugby union, just making yards. Yeah, so they would literally kick off, and then the player get obviously in the days we had to you know pass it a little yeah, bit yeah. forward, then back, and the player that would then get it, he would boot it into the corner, That's crazy. like off yeah, the yeah. pitch, and it was like right. But his argument at the time was. Well, now the defence are taking a throw in five metres yeah. from the corner flag and yeah. we've pinned them in. Yeah. And it was like, uh, yeah. I guess in in theory it makes sense, but obviously for England it didn't particularly work. Well, I understand for, what he was saying. Yeah. Whether I mean, I guess it didn't work because England weren't particularly no, great. Sure. But yeah, it was, yeah, it's interesting you say that. Even back then in Watford days. That's right. That's what, and it, it stayed true to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible. And I think that's the argument is by the time he gets the England job, football has evolved a bit more. But, he but certainly, yeah, 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 certainly with Watford, he was because he was blessed with um, the attacking lineup. So we had Nigel Callahan and John Barnes on the wings, and then Ross Jenkins and Luther Blissett as the two strikers, obviously playing four four two most of the time. Um, and his it sound it doesn't sound very tactical, but essentially he would pin the opposition into their final third, and then when Watford could win possession back, all of a sudden you would turn to your players like Blissett, Barnes, Callahan, and kind of say, "Just do your thing, like yeah, use yeah. that creativity." So he wasn't against flair players, he wasn't against skillful players or players with talent. Um, he just wanted to give them the uh, kind of the least amount of work to do. If yeah. you can be eighteen yards and win yeah, the ball yeah. back, what can you do then, John Barnes? What can you go and do? And he, only, he must have done well because he didn't go to Liverpool for another four years. No, he didn't, didn't go to Liverpool till eighty-eight. I want to say eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Yeah. He played in the Wimbledon final, but he didn't play in the Mer- the first Merseyside. Yeah. So he obviously did okay at Watford and enjoyed it and flourished enough for Liverpool to go. We want that. Yeah, guy. exactly. Yeah. So he's not a struggling guy. In no, not at all. System. No. So he's really Blissett was top scorer. Yeah. So and would get a move to AC Milan yeah. like a year or two yeah, later. He yeah, did, did he? Yeah. He did. We're going to talk a little bit about Luther Blissett. I know we've touched on him in a previous uh, episode. But um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because basically the whole, the whole narrative, despite. Watford being the huge underdogs is nobody's cheering for them. It came across every report that I read just spoke about the fact that everyone kind of just thought, no, we don't like the brutish yeah. nature of them, yeah, the boring yeah, yeah. nature or whatever. Um, but Taylor's team started quickly. They won four of their five matches, the first four, five matches, sorry. 
as they surged to the top of the table. It was an amazing start, shocked many, including Taylor. His quote saying, I must admit, I'm surprised at being up there because I thought there might be a few problems coming to terms with the first division. <laughs> so brilliant, brilliant humility there from Taylor as, uh, yeah, they, they managed to soar to the top of the charts. Nice. Uh, Blissett's goal-scoring exploits would see him get an England call-up this season. I was going to ask if he played for England. So yeah. he played for England. Yeah. Uh, he got his debut against Minnows Luxembourg. A dream debut would follow with Blissett scoring a hat-trick in a 9-0 win. Incredible. So incredible stuff. I mean, these were the days, sorry, Lineker got most of his goals. Like, yeah. England played at Wembley against a minnow. They smashed them. Yeah. There was no close games. It was, yeah, crazy. If yeah. you were the striker, Wembley was you, a fortress you were expected then. to get a hat-trick. Well, well, sadly, that's as good as it got for Blissett in an England shirt. Um, he would, those would remain his only international goals in 14 caps. No way. Which, to be fair, over the years, despite England's poor performance in tournaments until recent memory, mm. we've had some great strikers over the years. Like, when you think yeah, about yeah. that haven't necessarily been at their best for England but you think about Fowler you think about um, Ian Wright you think about Les Ferdinand Les Ferdinand yeah exactly yeah. like incredible strikers that were scoring goals fun at their clubs and just couldn't quite just didn't get the best out of them yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's or I guess you could interesting you say that because I listened to I say a rival podcast because we're up against Gary absolutely against yeah football. Oof, neck I, and neck I listen <laughs> to Shearer's um, watch out big meeks I'm coming for you <laughs> <laughs> I listened to Shearer talking about um, how he how Venables backed him yeah. um, in that two-year period where he didn't score, didn't score. Which is incredible that he backed him, being that Ferdinand, Robbie Fowler, you know, yeah. Teddy Sheridan, you know, people like that were around. Breathing down his neck. And yet, Venables said to him, a year out, you will start your United Six. Man, which that is, could have backfired, couldn't oh, it? man, yeah, could it? I mean, he said to him, you'll start your United Six, but then it's up to you. Right, okay. So there was... You Enough know, of an ultimatum. Yeah, but there's still, like, he still played all those friendlies, didn't score, yeah. knowing he would be the number nine uh, you're not six but I guess in Luther Blissett's case a year from or two years from now Lineker came along yeah exactly and obviously kind of solidified being England's number one yeah um, striker so that it seems like throughout maybe not so much um, Rooney was never kind of like despite holding the record he was never like a Shearer or a Lineker no no but it's interesting that you know, sometimes someone just held on to that number nine shirt and no one else could get yeah. a look in. And so you look at history and go, how did that guy, Andy Cole, another one, yeah. how did that guy not score yeah, like yeah. he was scoring for his club? It's like, well, if you weren't the guy, you didn't get the go. Yeah. And then it's interesting, this is an England podcast now, but it is interesting when you look at then like a drought of England strikers in basically before Rooney burst on the scene where it's basically just Michael Owen. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Defoe was okay, Bent was okay, but Heskey obviously played like the vast majority. Yeah. What did he get some like 70 caps from yeah, England, yeah. Emil Heskey? Guy, a striker that didn't score well, goals. It's the gap, isn't it? It's interesting. It's the gap between yeah. Shearer and Rooney. Yeah, that's, that's right. And Heskey just happened to be there at the right time yeah. for the right little generation. I bet you Ian Wright singing, why wasn't I born 10 yeah, years yeah, later? Because exactly. right, you could have tore it up. You, know, yeah. you could have a brilliant England career because you were born two years yeah. before, you know, someone that never got a look in yeah. because they were up against Shearer, Sheringham, exactly, you know, yeah. Andy Cole, Robbie Fowler, Les Ferdinand, like, Nice. It's basically the Steve Bruce thing, isn't it? Best player to never yeah. play for England's yeah, yeah, yeah. way. Just is, looking yeah. ahead, it's like, all right, Adams is ahead of me. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Not yeah. liking. I just that. wonder. I mean, you know, it makes you ask the question: If Luther Blissett played for a better club, you know, in terms yeah. of that's a, a wrongly worded, a better reputation, prestige. Club, yeah, then would he have got more of a run? Yeah. Yeah, it's sliding doors, isn't it? But also, it's one of those things that even though he left to go play for AC Milan back then, I think there was that little England didn't mentality happen, of like, it, yeah. no, he's gone abroad now; yeah, he's yeah. not of interest to us. Well, it, off, it didn't often happen, did it? No. Lineker really was the first person to succeed 
for yeah, a sure. foreign club, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's historically other players, but Rush went, Juventus failed. Yeah. Obviously, Luther Blissett <laughs> went, failed. Sorry, it just reminds me of an Ian Rush quote where he was asked about his time <laughs> in Juventus and he said, yeah, it was difficult. It was like living in a different country. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why. Yeah. <laughs> that says it all. Thanks there, Rushy. Yeah. But back to the uh, the English First Division. So uh, later in the season, the criticism became non-stop with Graham Taylor pulling Pat Rice minutes before he was due to be interviewed following John Barnes hat-trick that brought a tantalising 40 win at Arsenal. So before Pat Rice was about to give the post-match interview, he was pulled and Taylor stepped in for him saying, I felt this time we would sit back and let the result do the talking. It isn't my intention to offend anyone, but this constant questioning of the way we play is beginning to get a bit much. Mm-hmm. So you could tell it was getting under the skin of yeah, Taylor yeah, yeah. and of the players. Yeah. The comments and Did he not like that? Did he not like that? Do I not like that? Can we not knock it? <laughs> Can we not knock it? <laughs> But uh, Kevin Mosley, a uh, journalist for The Mirror, summed up, and I loved it, it's a, it's a dig, but it's a really well-worded dig. He called Watford the wholesalers. Why? Because they don't need any middlemen. And I love, that's a good burn, to be fair. Just watching the ball go sailing back over their heads. Yeah, it's thought through like that. Um, yeah. So Watford, however, we're going to the new year in third place, proving that the ends definitely justified the means. So first ever season, halfway through, and they're in third place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, down the bottom end of the table though Brighton and Hove and Swansea uh, continued to stutter and looked set to be relegated by early Feb so two of the three places were taken by them um, leaving five tre- uh, five teams to try and stay afloat so it was Man City Luton Coventry Birmingham and Sunderland that were all battling for that kind of remaining yeah. relegation place uh, back at the top of the leagues however any uh, dreams of Watford achieving the impossible and trying to win the thing dried up in 1983 mainly due to the relentlessness of Liverpool's title march a 16 game unbeaten run caused the Reds to leave everyone in their way they knew how to do it though didn't yeah, they like, just experience of it, that team exactly it, it just it wasn't really if it had been a boxing match it would have been like yeah. thrown in the towel you would have yeah. stopped it um, like I said they could afford to lose five of their last six games and still comfortably win the title uh, so Liverpool would finish 11 points clear of Watford in spite of their drop off in form the European qualification was a genuine battle though as big teams Everton that's right big on, team. Uh, West Ham Tottenham Man United Notts Forest all battled to make it into the UEFA Cup so still the kind of names that we've spoken about over the last kind of four or five seasons are all still there or thereabouts yep. uh, all battling for the UEFA Cup but it was Everton and West Ham that would miss out at the end of the season unfortunately uh, the rest gaining European qualification uh, but as we said the end of the season came as no surprise as Liverpool lifted the title for the sixth time under Paisley and as discussed Luton Town managed to win their survival at the expense of the now giants Manchester City mm. so with that let's look at some significant others Okay, so uh, just some facts, really, in a fairly random order. But uh, an interesting thing I saw is that Notts County would end up finishing 15th, despite being on the losing end of some ridiculous scorelines. So they kept on losing games in really heavy margins. Like, when they lost, they lost bad, but still weren't involved in a relegation scrap. So they lost two games 5-3, they lost 6-0, they lost 5-1, they lost 4-0, they lost 5-2, and they still managed to relatively be mid-table. And I just thought that was interesting for Notts County. I don't remember Notts County being in the top flight. They must go down soon. Yeah, I would imagine so. They were never in my panini sticker book. Oh, there we go. That's the real. That's the real. <laughs> that's how you know. Yeah, exactly. That's the mark <laughs> of brilliance. That's why I always love Coventry, the first team I ever completed in a panini sticker album. Uh, so, for the first time in eight years, there was no English club winning the European trophy. 
Wow, right, yeah. yeah so yeah. we highlighted England's dominance abroad. Yeah. Um, but this is the first season where England were not challenging in a final. So yeah. Anderlecht would win the UEFA Cup, continuing Benfica's European curse. So Anderlecht managed to beat... Wow. Uh, yeah, Benfica. Somewhat surprisingly, a star-studded Juventus would lose the European Cup final uh, 1-0 to Hamburg. Um, Juventus had put Aston Villa to the sword earlier in the quarterfinal. Right. Obviously, Aston Villa would get yeah. there um, just desserts the following year. Yep. Uh, sorry, year previous. Yeah, previous, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Man United would win the FA Cup under Big Ron. So this is the season that he gets his one trophy. No, that's two then. Sorry, I made a mistake. He wins it in 85 as well. Does he really? Yes, he wins two. I forgot the fact that cause they beat Brighton, don't they? That's right, yeah. yeah. Brighton got relegated. And they had that, um, the Smith misses yeah, the right. guilt edge chance right yeah. in the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as you say, uh, Man United win the replay of that final co- right, convincingly 4 yeah. 0. Yeah. Um, but it was 2 2 in the first final. Brighton, like you say, getting relegated, but almost, yeah. almost having their name etched on, uh, on the. Uh, and Smith must trophy. score. Oh, that's good. That's a good pull, Ali Max. Well done. So, Luther Blissett. Let's talk about him. Go on, Luther. We're not talking about his career that much because we've spoken about him previously. I can't remember if we touched on this, but I thought it's always good to revisit. So, have you ever heard of the Luther Blissett Project? Yes. You've told me this. Okay, right. So, I don't know if this is on mic or off mic, so forgive us if we're repeating ourselves. But Blissett's name has been adopted by many people in radical (laughs) activist circles as a non de plume. So, uh, an amazingly um, kind of transgressive activist novel called Q was written by, in in quotes, Luther Blissett. (laughs) Uh, It found its origins in Italy, and they think it was from when he went over to AC Milan. I guess this guy who turned up for a year and left, he probably made like. Relatively big headlines because he was bought from Probably a million quid. a bit more of a conspicuous name. Well, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so, yeah, underground reviews, poets, performers, squatters, collectives, <laughs> and cities would all use the name Luther Blissett. Mm-hmm. Um, so, very interestingly, in 2004, he was on uh, the Fancy Football League show on ITV, and he jokingly claimed that he himself was part of the Luther Blissett project <laughs> and wrote, read aloud the following sentence from a manifesto. Chiconte può essere Luther Blissett, sempre misso, adodonto il nome Luther Blissett. And he said it in Italian, but it uh, translated as anyone can be Luther Blissett simply by adopting the name Luther Blissett. (laughs) 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 It's Tyler Durden and Fight Club all over again. Uh, So just a couple more things before we wrap up today's um, episode. So uh, just a quick shout out, Bob Paisley. Here he is. Here he is. Um, His managerial honours. So... In his time as Liverpool manager, he won the first division six times. He won three consecutive League Cups. He won the Charity Shield, if you count that, six times, (laughs) although we don't. He won three European Cups um, over four years, which is amazing. Wow, yeah, yeah. Uh, He won a UEFA Cup in the year that he didn't win the European Cup, and uh, he won a Super Cup as well. Mm. And like we've spoken about, we're not going to back over it, but the longevity, the ability to recycle Recycle the team, yeah, that's, that's the main success yeah. I think and just a couple of interesting transfers to, to make note of just oh, some yeah. notable transfers set me up today. Everton would sign 26 year old midfielder from Bolton Wanderers in a 60 grand deal do you know who it is midfielder he, I, I think of him as the Everton player before my generation midfielder he loves a hotel bar <laughs> <laughs> He loves the hotel bar. I don't know who that is. It's Peter Reid. Ah. <laughs> if the rumours are to be uh, believed. I've, I've met Peter Reid, mate. He's just <laughs> said my friend. That's true, yeah. I forgot about that. 
<laughs> You've been in the vicinity of people. Yeah. Did he have a drink in his hand? He told me a joke about his sunglasses. That's all <laughs> I could say. What a man. But uh, yeah, in- incredible. So Everton would sign him. I didn't realise he was 26 when he signed for Everton. I thought he was younger, but... Well, he's one of those players as well that always looks like he's about 48, yeah, doesn't he? Like, yeah. he always looked 48. <laughs> he's, he was a brickie before he was a footballer, probably. <laughs> yeah. A labourer. Um, but interestingly, from one Peter to another, and I'll finish on this because it's a lovely bit of trivia that I like. Peter Beardsley, a 21-year-old former Carlisle United player, playing for the Vancouver Whitecaps, signs for which club? Wow. For 300k. Came from Canada. Yeah. Do you know which club he signs for? Is it Newcastle? It first isn't. time? No. This is one of those like pub quiz questions that stumps people. It's too early for Liverpool. It is. One of Liverpool's historic rivals. Not United. Shut Manchester up. Manchester United signed him for 325 grand. Did he play? It's a lot of money. So they signed him at the start of the season from yeah. Vancouver Whitecaps. The start of the season you're covering or the next season? Start of this season right. that I'm covering. Yeah. By the 1st of March... Peter Beersley leaves Man United and returns to the Vancouver Whitecaps on a free transfer, having only made one appearance for no the Old Trafford Club. It's a lovely little... Um, God, I didn't know that. No, I I remember finding out for the first time, and I was shocked, shocked, I tell you, to discover that he had represented Man United. But also, 325k back then is yeah. a big deal. Yeah. He went on a free transfer by the end of it. I'd get be, out of there. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know the story behind that transfer, why it didn't work out for the club or the player. Yeah. But yeah, how, th- how different things could have been. I loved Beardsley. I well, absolutely so adored him. It's because obviously he played a major role in the 86 World yeah. Cup. Who yeah. was he playing for then? Newcastle. I thought he had two stints at Newcastle. Obviously he played with Andy Cole later. That's what I'm he? thinking. I think... I think he had two stints either side of Liverpool. He did. So he uh, signed for Newcastle 83 to 87. Right, Okay. Then he goes to uh, Liverpool, like you said, 87, um, through to 91. Then he goes to Everton for a couple of seasons, oh, yeah, of one of the yeah, few players yeah, yeah, yeah. to have done that. And then he goes back to Newcastle for um, another I mean, his second years. stint at United was brilliant with Andy Cole. Yeah. He, was, he was turning back the clock. That was yeah. really impressive because he I was quite old by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what a clever player. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And an underrated rapper. For those that <laughs> haven't heard the uh, the outtakes of um, yeah, he's, he's, really, anthem. he's really not no. Um, so uh, incredible stuff, but yeah, one appearance in Manchester. No United. way. Okay, so that is our uh, final day's episode. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'd love it if you could uh, give us a review on whatever podcast app you find us. It really helps. And join us next week for another episode. Bye.